Here we go, guys, and we've got another uh, week and another a week of talking points, really. We're getting closer to finals footy. First, before we dig deep into this, I want to uh, obviously welcome back the, the vice-captain, Sid. Uh, it's great to see you back. He's shown his face. He had the had the verse Danes team, obviously, on the weekend. They got the, the victory, but he's the one showing his face, so... Um, nothing but respect there, but a lot of people know this guy. And so obviously Luke from the Rugby League Lounge, and he stepped in off the bench, a late call-up, had him on the reserves, had him in 19th man. And uh, look, we've had a couple of injuries and, and he's been called up. He's been kind enough to join me on short notice. It's probably midnight over there. So he's woken himself up. Um, first of all, Luke, how are you? And obviously a massive privilege to be on this show. Yeah, mate. You summed up brilliant there, massive privilege, but yeah, call me Moses Stooley, you know, 18th man, double off, off, you know, off the 18th man spot, so nah, pleasure to be here, mate, but yeah, 10th of the year, but yeah, no, no rest for the wicket, I'm ready to go. Well, mate, when you're a Storm fan and you've been riding a high for 17-odd weeks now, 18 weeks, I don't think there's any excuses. I wouldn't be sleeping if that was my team. Sid, Dragons, man, just quickly want to check in, how are you, how's things going? Yeah, all right. Um, I don't know why uh, it feels it's it's that probably a reflection of my club. Uh, actually, they did better than what I thought. They scored twenty two points against the Roosters. We <laughs> see a couple of tries. Tufty was in the mix again, so we a little bit of a threat. It was good. No, I can't complain. You know, it's the Roosters. What do you expect? This is the happiest you've been in, in a few weeks, and it's weird. <laughs> it's got to that point for your team, which is a sad thing. But look, it, on the on a high and on good things, let's start off with the weekly weapon. Uh, so weapon of the week, and uh, a little bit of a left field one, this one, boys. But I wanted to give it to Connor Watson, um, and not for what he's doing on the field, which is obviously good quality stuff. Um, so it, it could be, but more so with his in regards to his um, signing and. Um, the way it all carried out. Now, look, I don't know if people um, know this or not, but he is his own manager. So he actually doesn't have a manager. He does it all himself. Um, and interestingly, uh, without a manager, there was no back page stories. There was no Fox Sports. There was no this or that. He wasn't shopping himself around that we know of anyway. Um, basically, everyone thought he was going to become a, a knight for another few more years, build with Ponga. Next day, uh, signed with the Roosters, and we've heard that it was probably one or two chats he had with uh, Robinson to, to get this to organise. And um, honestly, boys, it's so refreshing to not see a, a manager push his player, get all the, the media headlines and, and talk to all their mates in the media, go, oh, get my, um, my player X amount of dollars. He's done it. No one knows what he's signed for, so he could have signed for peanuts or he could be there for... 500,000, we don't know, but honestly, I don't care. It's been so nice and refreshing. Sid, what are your thoughts on this matter? Because I, I feel like the more we go each year, the more managers have a say in things, and it just feels so refreshing. Yeah, I could tell um, you're pretty sick of the circus that is the the media and, and managers manipulating things, um, you know, ma- uh, fabricating rumours, stuff like that to drive prices up. Um, yeah, look, that's good. I've got plenty of time for Connor Watson, uh, both on and off the field. Um, he's a utility player, he's a Mr. Fixer. That tells me he's uh, he's he's, fo- he's rugby league for 20 years, punches above his weight, and um, um, sounds like a, an intelligent guy if he's uh, he's brokering his own deal. I will say it, it, it makes sense that he's gone back to the Roosters. I don't know if you recall, I um, mean, he did come back, come through the ranks there, 
So he has a relationship with uh, Robertson. Um, and why not go to a, uh, a um, you know, or, or hate aside, a very, very well-run club with an, with an excellent coach. Yeah, 100%. And I think, Luke, you're obviously a, a Melbourne man and uh, the Storm do it so well when it comes up with players up out of contract, things like that. We don't get too much of, of what we get for me and Sid being our club sort of just gets smashed in the papers. Um, managers like to sell us off. but So you wouldn't deal with this too much, but uh, obviously it's quite refreshing uh, to see Connor be his own manager and, and get all this thing done himself. Yeah, and I think Sid summed it up pretty well, like – you know, a lot of the times the issues with managers, they've got their main priority is the, the cash. At the end of the day, his decision was purely made from his heart. You know, all the, all the things that, you know, what matters was factored into his decision. And look, for me, as a selfish fan, rugby league, I would have loved to, him to either stay at the Knights or go to another, um, another franchise and change the dynamic of someone else's attack because... Look, I, I think he is going to be awesome for the Roosters. Look, I think next year, man, the Roosters, you know, after all these guys come back from injury, him, wherever he fits in the bench, there's also talks I heard Cameron Smith saying potentially he might even be their hooker, even though Verils has been there. Could be a potential option there. Look, the rich get richer, but look, credit to him. Like, he is an awesome player. He's probably one of my favourite players to watch. And, yeah, very happy with the decision he's made because I know that the decision was purely his. Yeah, you've opened up a talking point that I'm going to dig into in a few weeks' time, but the Roosters look pretty scary next year, um, really building up nicely with a side that they're going to have full back, full access to the salary cap again next year, so it's going to be quite uh, good times for the Roosters. Um, look, we, we do a, like a segment here, Luke, where we, we call someone out. It's Flog of the Week, so... We do it in a playful manner, of course, but uh, just to generate a little bit of a laugh, it also put a point across. And this week, I was there watching. I don't know if you two were, but I was watching the the Warriors-Broncos game yesterday, and there was a try right at the end by you and Aitken, and if you guys have watched the highlights, you would have seen it. But it, it was a weird one because I thought any angle showed Coates put his hands on the ball first, and then some, even the commentators, everyone was saying it. They're like, yeah, all right, this will go out to the 20. I drop out and away we go. And next minute, we just see the green light pop up. And I, I felt like the only person who witnessed that as a try was Henry Paranara. Now, the other week, we, we caught him out a bit because he was doing some howlers as well. Now, my biggest worry is heading into finals, that, that mm. try right there could have literally got someone through and knocked a team out and, and ended their season. Now I'm all for um, referees making mistakes. They're on the field uh, normal time. That's fine. But when these bunker officials have access to everything they do, they watch it time and time again, they'll watch things where us at home, look at the um, screen and after one or two takes, yeah, that's what's happened. They look at it 10 times. They confuse the crap out of themselves I'm I'm worried. I've got to be honest. I'm worried, Sid. Um, uh, wh- where are you standing here with the the bunker? I don't know if you watched last yesterday's game, so I don't know if you know the the try I'm talking about. But where are you at with the bunker at the moment? I watched bits and pieces, but uh, of that game. Uh, but funny enough, luckily enough, I switched over, um, and then I saw it when it was happening when they were doing the grounding thing. It was one of the times I switched over, um, um, and. Uh, and I thought, here we go, no try, no try. And then even the commentators said, that's 
that's Coates that Oates's hands or is Coates? Coates, yeah, Coates. Um, Coates's hand. And they go, oh no, that, that's it. And he just gave a try. Um, I will I will point out um something. I mean, you mentioned that they have access to the to the footage and all that. Not only do they have access to the footage and several several replays, they have control of it. We don't have control of it when we watch it at home and we can see it, you know? He has control, he has everything in his power. All he has to do is keep the eyes open and you know, it's it's unfortunate. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Um, and the other problem is they watch things in super slow-mo and you're seeing a lot of um, quality plays being pulled up for little things, for these tiny, tiny things. And the game, as Andrew Johns always says, and he's doing everyone's head in, the games are played in super slow-mo. He even said it on Sunday when the Dragons game went on the Channel 9 coverage, Game's not playing it super slow. I feel like a broken record here. It's just not right. So those are the two problems for me. Making errors after watching it for, you know, 10, 12 times and the super slow-mo has just got to stop. Yes, have a look. Have a look, but play the full speed at least once, especially those late hits when the guy passes. Penalty every time. Every time. You can't pull out of those. Yeah, That's another story. Oh, 100% with you there. Uh, we, we could laugh about this topic for a while. Look, I want to get some fresh thoughts on this topic because I think everyone who listens to us knows that we haven't been happy with the bunker for, for quite some time, but not just the bunker. Obviously, yesterday's ruling. Uh, where were you at with it? So in terms of having a video referee or the bunker, like I'm for it in the set set. At the end of the day, like I want to get the right call you know the right call I want to be to be made, but it hasn't. Even with this technology, the right call still hasn't been made. So it's like obviously there's two sides of the argument. I'm on the yes, I want the right decision to be made, and then there's probably the other side where not nah, scrap the bunker. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, but let's just make decisions more on the flow of the game, like you said, normal speed. But if the bunker is unable to do that, even with the technology they've got. Oh, put the, it's just an absolute shambles, really. And I tend to agree with you guys. Um, yeah, it is, you know, like we've got eyes. Like like you said, everyone thought it was, like the commentators, it was one of the most, yeah, one of the most crazy reactions I've seen and fair reactions I've seen as a commentator. Like, yep, yeah, now nah, we've seen enough. Replay after replay after replay. Well, could have, I should have put a time on it. Felt like, felt like forever. Um, and then, yeah, they still got the wrong call. It's just absolutely insane. So, yeah, I, you know, I tend to agree with you guys, even though I see the purpose of the bunker, it's not doing its job. Yeah, it was a weird one because as soon as they can, Dana, he obviously celebrated thinking it was a try. And then afterwards, when they were watching the replay, he, you could see in his expressions and what the team was doing, they were like, all right, no worries. It's no try. Let's just try and dig in here and get a loose ball if we can. And then all of a sudden, a popped up try, and they just were all, all gobsmacked and, and celebrating like they won the grand final. So um, you could tell the players didn't think that was a try. So that they they know the game better than than anyone. So the other interesting thing is we were sold the bunker from the NRL saying that they were going to fix the howlers. I'd argue if we went back through, the bunker has created more howlers than it has fixed. That's that's where I'm at with it. So um, they're they're over officiating it. I've, you can hear him in the referee's ear um, set by set at the moment. And it's just not a good look. Let the referees do what they've got to do. Then be there checking things out that really need to be stopped and, and looked at when there is a stoppage in play. 
Otherwise, the the, the final series this year is going to be robbed because of some really poor officiating, which Dane said it last week on our video, is it's probably been the worst the officiating has been for quite some time at the moment. So um, in terms of consistency, so it's a little bit of a worry. What about, we're going to go on to a couple of um, points here. And the first one has both come out today, guys. So um, put these straight in. And if I was going to do a flog of the week, I've got to do single out these two as well. Um, Adam Elliott and Curtis Scott, uh, both. Curtis Scott has been sacked by the Raiders from obviously the uh, nightclub scene that we all know about a few months ago, and it's finally all been in done now and punishment's handed down. Um, Adam Elliott, for mine, this is a a new one, and and I actually find that this is worse than, uh, not worse than the Curtis Scott incident, but this is just, it's one of those moments, it's just stupid. It's He's mm. at the start of the year, he did what happened and everyone knows a story. And honestly, just one of the worst things you can do as a bloke in general to your mates and just anyone in, in general. And then he's gone ahead and said in the post, in the press after that, I've got to stop drinking and I've got to get myself, my life back on track and my career. Everyone brought into it and said, yeah, no worries. Let's give him a chance. He started off all right this year. I'll, I'll give him credit. He, he was playing pretty, pretty good football. Um, it's pretty hard to do too much in that dog's outfit at the moment, but going pretty well. Um, and then it's come out on the weekend. He was kicked out of a, a joint because he's drinking uh, way too much. Now, boys, there, there's two weeks left in the season. What, what what are you doing at the moment? You're in a bubble. There, there was no nothing wrong with the bubble. They're allowed to do it, so that's all good. But you're two weeks away from being able to do whatever you want for the next few months, really. You're out of the limelight. You, You've got two games to go where you can go, you know what, boys, it's been a tough year, but let's just put in. He himself has had some absolute massive dramas um, this year alone. You'd think any player out there who should be on their best behaviour right now, it's him, and it, and it wasn't to do so. Sid, I know you love to put the boot into the dogs. I know you love it. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily one of those cases you want to do that, though. I think it's a bit of a wake-up or a bit of a, an annoyance more than anything. Um, man, I'm, I'm glad you uh, you said that before before you let me speak. Um, I want to want to say it's uh, I want to say it's it's a social issue with um, with him personally. I, I'm afraid, you know. I've been around. I'm 41 years old. I've seen it. I've been drinking with blokes. Blokes that know how to stop. Blokes that have two drinks the whole night. Blokes that make it look like they're drinking and nurse one drink the whole night. And then blokes that just keep going and going and going. They have that. They don't have that field. And now we're talking about a social issue here, um, and it's not footy. But there's a, there's an instinct inside you when you. Oh, I've drank 20, 30 drinks in a night when I was young, bloke. You know. But there's a thing inside you where you look at the drink Frank and you go, tank. Nah. Yeah, mate, mate, I've done it. You know, you should see me on my buck. You missed out. You were in Queensland, <laughs> and um, you know, and. And you could look at the drink and go, you know what? It might be the twentieth, it might be the eleventh, or it might be the twelfth, or whatever. And then you say, you know what? Swap it for water. Well, you know what? Let's get out of here. I'm going to Macca's, you know. But some blokes don't have that limit. They don't have that trigger inside them. They just keep going, especially when you have limitless money. If you, you know, if you go out with two hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, even if you don't have that limit, you burn your money and you can't buy anymore. That's fine. But this guy's got no limit i feel like and he's got unlimited money he can drink 600 700 on the bar and do something silly you know there's a real problem i think he's got a, a drinking problem and i think he needs to quit forever 
you can't have a casual drink blokes like that, sadly. But if he wants to save his career, and like I said, not end up in the center league line, like Todd Carney threw away his gift, his career, his opportunity, and uh, Ben Barber, he threw away his gift, his career, that I know 10,000, I only know 10,000 blokes that will give their right arm to play NRL. Their right arm, you know, myself included. But he's done that, and, and he's doing it again, and he's doing it again. He needs to quit drinking. It's over. No more drinking. Yeah, you're. Let's just say right now you're GM of the Dragons. If he becomes available on the open market this uh, tomorrow morning, would you sign him? No, no. There's a culture problem um, that comes with someone like that. A stigma. Um, probably last resort, a coach like Wayne Bennett or a Craig Bellamy will take him for peanuts to mentor him. But not my club. No, we would not take him. I don't even have to ask you that question, Luke, because I know that the 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 outfit at the Storm and what their culture is like, they would not even entertain him even coming down for an interview. Uh, but what mm. are you making of this situation for both himself and actually for you, Curtis Scott, I guess, he's an ex-Melbourne uh, player and you guys obviously um, got rid of him before it sort of became a bit too much. Um, you could obviously see the cracks there. So if you know a little bit more about the Curtis Scott situation, uh, fill us in. But, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on both of these players? Yeah, no, I probably can't give you too much more information about the Curtis Scott situation. But, obviously, yeah, a bit of a, you know, does have a place and kind of, yeah, obviously being part of the premiership winning side, it's always, you know, you always, even when they leave, you want to see them flourish. And it's been really disappointing to see what's come of Curtis's career afterwards. And, yeah, just the two scenarios in general they're just like as a whole you know our game does get put on this pedestal where we I think when people think about rugby league we do think about the off-field dramas and we're just adding another layer to that which is really sad to see and you bring up Todd Carney before and look I and I don't blame the league for having a tough stance because at the end of the day we want to grow the game we want to sell this game to our kids we want their parents to you know, um, let our kids pursue a career where there's, you know, a good moral outcome at the end of the day. And look, if you've seen these guys pissing up and whatever else is happening, is that really want what you want your kids to strive towards? Um, I think the NRL could do better at putting harder stances on other crimes. I know there's some other stuff that they kind of, yeah, they've let a few other little indiscretions um, players that have done indiscretions that are probably worse than the drinking side of things back in, but that's a story for another day. So, yeah, overall, it's re- it does suck to see this, but um, yeah, I'm look, I'm I'm happy with the stance that the clubs have made so far. So at least that's one positive come out of it. But I hope the rest of the NRL can learn from this. But at the end of the day, there's been plenty of other instances where you think oh yeah hopefully other players will learn from this like the barbecue incident not too long ago obviously this is a bit bigger but it's still another violating the rules and whatnot um but yeah it's just it just seems to be adding fuel to the fire we stick and give stick to the media but we're, we're dishing it on a silver platter yeah mate look I should have warned you about this, but you've come in and, and straight away you've broken one of our rules, which is we don't mention the barbecue incident anymore because Sid oh, uh, has, sorry, taken, <laughs> has taken that a bit too much, uh, too too harshly. And it's sort of, we just, we've gone, you know what, if he's had a bit too much this year to deal with, we're not going to do it anymore. And it's like talking about the choke with Parramatta, we just don't do it anymore. So 
Uh, look, mate, that's your first official warning. Uh, keep going. You might have to get suspended for a week or two. Hey, all, all I can say is you should be proud of being Hunt, mate. You, you know, he good leader of them to stay home. So that's all I can say. He did a great choice that night. Mate, yeah. if had, had a squad of 30 of Ben Hunt's that would not be in the situation they're currently yeah, in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, look, boys, let's talk about a team that for mine has been so lucky that there's been other teams at certain weeks or little periods who have been going poorly. They've slipped under the radar for mine. And I think it's about time people start calling them out. And that's the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, for mine, it's been a year where it's been so confusing for a neutral. I, I can't imagine what a Cowboys fan is feeling at the moment. Let's, I, I want to use the, I want to use the example of Jason Tamalolo as the epitome of their season so far. He has gone, been all over the shop in terms of the forward pack. He has not had a consistent run of either, even just minutes on the field. He, he's normally an 80 minute player. Um, he hasn't been getting that consistently at all this year. He's on the at lock one week. He's gone to prop. He's gone to the edge. The Cowboys for mine are so up in the air. They've got a coach there that worked so well with the side last year. And I feel like they've tried to rush that process this year and thought, all right, this will be easy. Todd Payton will be able to come in and just do the magic. He'll wave his magic wand and, and it's all good. They haven't had the squad for mine. I looked at the squad at the start of the year and I was so confused with what these guys were going to do. Um I just I don't know where to go for the Cowboys because I look at ne- like, uh, next year um, and me and Luke had a chat about this the other day, but they're not improving much at all next year. And it's for mine, if I was to put up a, a, a team now for the wooden spoon, it would be the Cowboys for next year. Um, that's how much I don't think they have to look forward to. Um, Sid, where are you at with the Cowboys? Because obviously both our sides have had chance to be in the limelight for the wrong reasons um, and, and helped cover the Cowboys' issues up. They're now on, I think it's 10 defeats in a row. Um, where are they at and, and where, how can they fix this? Look, uh, before I go into it, um, at the start of the year, we all had our preview. I picked Cowboys for Wooden Spoon, but I didn't pick Peyton, if you recall, for the sack race. Yeah. Um, I said he'll get a hall pass. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and then the first no-no he did, and we did discuss this, is the Tamalolo one where he wanted to put Tamalolo on show um, and, and, you know, benched him. He actually benched him. And then I thought, you know, I thought, why is this different to the Warriors? And there's a couple of things that spring to mind. One, the Warriors have juniors that can come through. They're physically ready for the NRL. We know how much talent they have, skill, Every player, whether it's a front row or a halfback, they got skill, they all have footwork, and they're all big and ready. So if a player's no good, they'll swap him for a young bloke, and he's he's the same, essentially the same quality sort of player, right? So he had that threat. The Warriors had the depth to do that sort of thing. The other issue that he, he did with the Taumalolo, he put him on show. The problem is that, he didn't earn the right to do that. He hasn't been there for ages. Whereas at the Warriors, he was around these young blokes. They respected him coming through, 18, 19, 20-year-old. Then they turned into NRL players. He had that He had that aura, he had a little bit of aura with these guys. Then he became coach after, what's his name, got sacked, after Kearney got sacked, right? Um, 
But at Cowboys, he's just going to come in and throw his weight around and went, hang on, we don't even know you. Like, you haven't, do you know what I mean? Like, a new coach comes in and your best player, he decides to bench him and then he decides to chuck him on the edge. But he's going to get exposed because he doesn't have lateral movement. So he's going to get exposed in defence. Then he cuts his minutes. There's only one benefit from cutting the minutes and it's not a benefit. So there's only one outcome, actually, that cutting his minutes. He gets used to playing 60 minutes, 65, 55 minutes. That's all that happened. That's all they got out of it. If he's an 80-minute player, he needs to play 80 minutes to maintain the fitness as an 80-minute player. You don't have to worry about him. It's one less interchange. You put him in the middle. He cuts it up. I know he's not a ball player. I think he's a front rower, you know, yeah. because you need your, your locks to be able to pass a little bit and link up or whatever. That's yeah. another story. But they just ruined their best player. And, and, and there's a number of other things like the way um, uh, the way they handled Valentine Holmes and, you know, eased him in and, you know, a bit a tad unlucky with the injuries. Um, getting rid of Clifford was good. Then getting Deedon, which is exactly the same player, in my opinion. Um, the list goes on. They're, they're a basket case, and I agree with you. I reckon they can do back-to-back um, wooden spoons. I'm calling it from now. Yeah, well, look, mate, they won't get back-to-back because they won't get it this year. That's the dogs home and hosed. But uh, I know what you mean. They'll have two pretty much dreadful seasons in a row. Um, Luke, you're obviously across the Dutch, or the Dutch, should we say. Um, <laughs> and uh, you were around last year, and there was probably a bit of noise over there with Peyton and, and a good job that he was doing there. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say this is on Peyton. Uh, I do think he needs a little bit of time at that club, and I think there was people there that have sworn in that fast forward um, decision-making to be done. But what was, what was working so well last year for the Warriors under Peyton that's not working now for the Cowboys under Peyton? Well, I think Peyton, like credit to him in the sense that like it, he's outside the box and he's trialing things. And I think with the Warriors, he obviously did a few things different and they hit the mark. He's gone to the Cowboys. Done the, trying to do the same thing. And I think, like Sid probably summed up, you know, really well, actually, in the sense that he's gone in there, like walked straight for the door, not, you know, not really built those relationships and straight away tried to change things straight away and, you know, affecting your results of your best players. Um, And the thing when he, I remember when he first announced the news that he was going to be changing Camelolo's, like, role, I actually was optimistic because I actually thought, yes, it's good because like I compare it to Payne Haas. Payne Haas is playing 80 minutes for a long time. And even though he's so great, you want him out of the field as long as possible. Look, you're still in the back end. He was getting tired and little things. So I thought there was a little bit of tinkering that could be done to, we've seen Payne Haas a bit this year, but also Tambalolo, just making sure, because all his runs are brutal when he's on, on top form, but just to, distribute them a bit better, conserve them a little bit. But the way he has conserved them has just been, yeah, not not right. But I, I always go back to um, that game against the Warriors where it was trending upwards. They, Valentine Holmes hit the field goal and in golden point, I believe, to win it, or it was just before golden point. And they haven't won a game since. And look, you, what happened after that round? Tom Dearden come in drink water, and also not drink water. So um, Clifford went out. I'm not blaming all on Deedon, even though I'm not a big Deedon fan myself, but I think just completely changing a key part of your, obviously, team, your spine. Look, they've, the person that put in the lost 10 rounds since, I'm not completely blaming that, but they were in the eight year. 
they were trending upwards. They were things were starting to click. Drink water's playing his best forty. Holmes is playing his best forty since coming back. Um, so yeah, for me, look, I'm not too sure, but I, well, I remember saying to you on your pod, I was actually thinking maybe they were going to push for the eight next year. I completely disagree. Actually, sitting back and you know, I've told you before. Cowboys are kind of my second team. I've got to be realistic. I don't think they are. Yeah, <laughs> I no, think that's... they are more likely to be wooden spooners right now. Yeah, and just quickly on Dean, I feel sorry for him because next year as well, they've got Chad Townsend coming in. So um, it's just a, a weird one. They've brought him mid-year and then he's a halfback. He's on a 5'8", and Chad Townsend's a halfback, not a 5'8". So two starting, as they say, halfbacks can't go into one. So... I don't know what's going to happen there. And I'm imagining uh, he didn't come too cheap either, did he? He would have been on a, a good three, maybe 400000 or something like that, which for mine, the Cowboys need to be spending that elsewhere on maybe an, an edge or back rower or two. That's probably for mine where they're, they're pretty weak at the moment. So um, I'm starting to think they'll put Hammerso at fullback now for next year. Yeah, and yeah. what, uh, Holmes to, to wing? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Again, that's just putting a, a youngster in a, a key position where there's a lot of pressure at the moment, but it's just going to be a weird, it's just interesting how they, they manage that. But that's a discussion to have a bit bit deeper in the off season. The, the, a little a quick talking point I want to have here, boys, is just on the Titans. And I put up a post on the page the other day and everyone um, probably seen it, is that after watching the weekend and just seeing how good uh, Jaden Campbell is going to be because I don't think there's any denying the talent this kid has. And um, he's just a kid, but I'll tell you what, he moves so well. Um, he's quite tall. He does need to, to bulk out a little bit more, which will naturally happen. And I don't think he'll go too much bigger because obviously his father was um, a, a quite a small uh, man when he was playing. But it's an interesting one because they've got him, they've got AJ Brimson, they've got Sexton for next year who, have sh- who has shown for mine. He's probably now the, the lead playmaker for that team. They've re-signed Fogarty and they've got Peachy on the bench at the 14 role. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say now that obviously Ash Taylor won't be kept. We can just say he's gone. But out of that, who's the one, six, and seven? I, I'm gonna say Jaden Campbell gets the one spot next year. It's Brimson five eight and Sexton would be who I ran out with with. Fogarty maybe playing the 14 role and Peachy either finding a new club or maybe going into that starting lock role. Uh, Sid, where, where are you finding the Titans um, balancing this? Well, I know that you put it that way. Um, I didn't realise the predicament. It was, they've got a bit of talent, and you're right. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Fogarty when he came in, and uh, I always like a, a late bloomer that's, that's ready for the NRL because um, usually what happens when the bloke gets into his early 20s, 22, 23, 24, Obviously, he gets a job and wants to pay the bills, so he has less time to work on himself. Um, you know, case in point, say Adam Clune, for example, his yeah. build is like a uh, it's like a personal trainer, whereas Fogarty's built like an NRL player. You know, only came in late. That was the first thing I noticed. So what happens is when they dummy and make a half break, he goes through. Clune gets grabbed. You know, and so I like Fogarty. That's my first one. But Sexton's very. Uh, Shown very uh, maturity, uh, mature sort of like a yeah, a, a, a creative halfback, but a controlling halfback, and he's got the range of a kicking game. And I'm going to use the word calmness. He's got a bit of calmness about him. He's so, playing well above his age. I think you're trying to say. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. There, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's that's the maturity part, and very Sam Walker esque, if mm. I may say. Even though Sam and he's a bit bigger, so he's going to deal with it a bit better. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, that's right. He's got a bit bit of the roughness, rough around the edges as well, which is good. You're going to need that in the NRL. Um, I think as as good as Campbell is, and I think the the league is now into the era, given how quick it is, where those little guys can survive. Um, Likey Campbell's and, and St. George have one similar to Tyrell Sloan, as you know. Very similar players, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're very they're both skinny, they're both very skillful. They can they don't look at a gap when they go through it. Commentators never say this, they never mention peripheral vision. A guy like Mitchell Pierce, he'll look at the gap and then go for it, and then that's why he gets tackled all the time. You know, um that that's the instinct <laughs> That's the instinct I'm talking about. Um, uh, um, but yeah, they've got great crew, peripheral vision and, and speed and balance and turn of speed and timing to to um, to to back it up. But ah oh, man, I, I think they'll stick with AJ. But I was about uh, to say, Campbell give me a lock in one, six, and seven. All right, AJ one. Oh man, AJ one. They'll put Fogarty at seven, six. Sorry, and uh, Sexton at, at seven. I think that's. That's where they're going to go. Ash Taylor, bye bye Charlie, um, and um, yeah. And, and then I don't know you, what, what do you say? Jaden just buys his time for another year and just floats in and out. Maybe maybe a fourteen. I mean, it's a long season. AJ's yeah. now playing uh, for Queensland, so you know you need your depth. You, you need your depth, and there's nothing wrong with players like hot on his heels to keep him keep him on his toes. Yeah, hundred percent. Luke, what what's but your one? Six, yeah, true. Luke, what's your one six and seven for the Titans next year? Tough. I was actually probably going to mix it up, have a completely different um, combination than you guys. But I'm thinking about it while Sid was talking. I think I'd go Brinson at fullback still. I believe that's still his best position. Yes, I still believe he can impact the game at six. But I think Sexton, because I originally had Sexton left out, but he's, from what I see, he's too good to leave out. And I want Fogarty still in there. Um, he's, you know, like he's, like you said, he's a late similar to balloon. I think it's a very good comparison. Um, and I think also with this combination, Campbell can be on the bench. And with Campbell on the bench and also in that squad, it's just going to put put a bit of pressure on those other guys, keep them accountable for how they're playing. So that's probably what I'd start with. But, you know, like you said, it's a long season. That won't be set in stone. But I do think there's options there. And, um, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse for me. But that's probably what I'd go with. And hopefully, another topic, but Nicarima potentially as their hooker as well. Mm. It looks like, it looks well, not likely, but it looks like an option. So hooker's an option there. So it might be also who's the best fit with their number nine. And, yeah, we'll wait and see who that is. They're a side where next year, and we'll do some off-season videos about it all, but... When they've got the run of the game, which they do now, next year with some of the players they're going to have will be dangerous. I still just think there's some defensive issues at that club and, and digging deep where they really need to. Um, look, there's one more point, but we're not going to have time tonight, which is probably a good thing now. We've got a passionate Melbourne Storm man on. I don't think he would have liked some of the stuff I was about to say. So um, it, it's good. To, let's just bypass that. Um I'll, I'll quickly mention it and we'll just see his reaction on a video. He doesn't have to say anything, but 
I'm just going to call out Pappy and the Melbourne Storm. Now, look, mate, I know you did suffer a very, very serious head injury and it's not good to watch, but I don't like every time you're getting hit anywhere near the head at the moment, you and the Melbourne Storm players act like you've just got shot. So um, getting close to the, the finals now, and it's not just on Pappy, he just made me bring it up, but... Players are starting to stay down again uh, for head knocks or, or close to head knocks, and it's not a great look, I think, when we're trying to sell our game when it's the best part of the, the season is now. So he's got a smirk. He wants to bite back, but, mate, you're going to have to do it in a post or something because, unfortunately, we're on the free Zoom still here. Um, so, if Zoom, you want to give us some sponsor and, and give us the free version or the, the, um, the, the platinum version for free, uh, we're open to it. So... Uh, but unfortunately, Luke, thanks for your time, mate. I hope you really like uh, the last bit, especially. Good luck to yeah, the storm. Thanks, thanks for being nineteenth man. You might get an, a start next week. Who knows? Um, but I'll be back with you, you know, over the next couple of days to do our GM video. So keep up with that, guys. Watch the Andy Raymond video if you haven't already. Um, fantastic interview um, about my beloved Eels, but he's got such a good footy brain. Any rugby league fan should listen to it. Um, it will open your ears up to some of the stuff out there, especially with the media and things like that. And Sid, once again, good to see you, mate. You've got that smile back on your face, which is probably not a good thing for the club. means that the pat- most passionate Dragons fans are now happy with mediocrity and um, get back up there, Red V. Uh, thanks, guys. Have a good week and, and watch the footy and up the eels. <laughs>